Hello, welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. Today's podcast is on Psalm 88. Psalm 88. Now, Psalm 88 is one of the saddest, if not the saddest, of all the Psalms. Many of the Psalms of individual lament end with a note of praise. Psalm 88 does not. Instead, the last word in Psalm 88 is the word darkness. And some have described this psalm as darkness all day long. There is no section of Scripture that gives such an extensive vocabulary of death as Psalm 88. And in this particular psalm, there is no discussion of his suffering at the hand of enemies. He attributes his suffering to God. For example, in verse 6, you put me in the lowest pit. His troubles are immense. He seems overwhelmed. He seems burdened. And as we stated before, there is no positive relief at the end. But I want you to listen to the psalm, Psalm 88, a psalm of the sons of Korah, for the choir director, according to Mahalath, Linoth, a maskel of Heman, the Ezrahite. O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. For my soul has had enough troubles, and my life has drawn near to Sheol. I am reckoned among those who go down to the pit. I have become like a man without strength, forsaken among the dead, like the slain who lie in the grave, whom you remember no more, and they are cut off from your hand. You have put me in the lowest pit, in the dark places, in the depths. Your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. You have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. I am shut up and cannot go out. My eye has wasted away because of affliction." I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. Will you perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you, Selah? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave, your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will your wonders be made known in the darkness and your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? But I, O Lord, have cried out, to you for help, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. O Lord, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your face from me? I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on. I suffer your terrors. I am overcome. Your burning anger has passed away, has passed over me. Your sorrows have destroyed me. They have surrounded me like water all day long. They have encompassed me all together. You have removed lover and friend far from me. My acquaintances are in the darkness. Some have divided Psalm 88 into three sections. The first section being verse 1, 
to verse 9a, we could say. The second section being from 9b to verse 12. And the third section from verse 13 till the end in verse 18. Now you might ask, why those divisions of the psalm? Because in that division, it allows us to begin each section with a pouring out of the psalmist's heart to God. In verse 1 again, O Lord, the God of my salvation, I have cried out by day and in the night before you. And then in verse 2, let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. In the In verse 9b, I have called upon you every day, O Lord. I have spread out my hands to you. In verse 13, the same thing. But I, O Lord, have cried out to you for help. In the morning, my prayer comes before you. Each of these sections begins with a cry, with a prayer, with new petitions to God, begging God's relief, begging God's distress, help from distress. And in the psalm, he talks about his desperate dilemma and how near death is. We stated that this psalm uses an extensive vocabulary for death. Let's notice a few terms. In verse 3, you have the term Sheol. In verse 4, there's a reference to the pit. In verse 6, there's a reference to the lowest pit. There's a reference in verse 5 to the dead and the grave. In verse 6, there's a reference to the depths. In verse... Um, in verse... Um, 11, a reference to the grave and Abaddon, and in verse 12, a reference to the darkness. But over and over, there is this extensive mention of death, for he has lived his whole life as one who was sick and near death. In verse 15, I was afflicted and about to die from my youth on, from his earliest days, From his earliest experiences, he has been afflicted. He has been troubled. He has experienced adversity, and he has been near death. And there is hardly a sign of relief in this particular psalm. Sometimes it's hard to pick out definite phrases to camp on because there's such a strong emphasis on how desperate his dilemma is. But the text tells us that uh, in this passage that in verse 7, you have afflicted me with all your waves. It is as if he is recovering from being assaulted by one wave of problems only to be hit by another. I think of Job in Job 1, verses 13 through 19, where Job has four messengers and warn him of a disaster or tell him of a disaster of which they were the only survivor. He lost all his livestock, all his wealth, and he lost all his children. He was hit with wave 
after wave and hardly has any time to absorb one loss before news of another comes along. He is utterly overwhelmed. That is the same type of thing that the writer of Psalm 88 experiences. We stated earlier that he mentions no enemies. He confesses no sin. He mentions no enemies. But he constantly describes God as the one who was behind his problems. In verse 6, you have put me in the lowest pit. In verse 9, your wrath has rested upon me, and you have afflicted me with all your waves. In verse 8, you have removed my acquaintances far from me. You have made me an object of loathing to them. In Job 19, verses 13 through 20, Job was deserted even by his family members and servants. And this psalmist feels the same way. We've seen that same kind of emphasis when we were in Psalm 38, Psalm 31, that the writers felt forsaken by all of their friends. But remember, we're back at this point of attributing all his problems to God and all his sufferings to God. You notice in verse 14, he says, Oh God, why do you reject my soul? Why do you hide your, your face from me? In verse 15, I suffer your terrors. In verse 16, your burning anger has passed over me. Your terrors have destroyed me. And in verse 18, you have removed lover and friend far from me. He is constantly attributing his problem to God. I don't think that in itself is a statement of blaming God. When Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return, the Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That wasn't, that wasn't a statement. That wasn't a statement blaming God, because the text said, in all this Job did not sin, nor did he charge God foolishly. I don't think these are statements blaming God. These are expressions of faith and trust. He recognizes that God is sovereign in the world. He recognizes that God controls all things. And God is ultimately responsible for what goes on in his world. He recognizes that. He also recognizes that God could stop these problems at any moment. He chose. He recognizes, too, he, he recognizes about God that God is his only source of help. God is the one who can rescue him from his dilemma. And he recognizes his utter dependence upon God. He recognizes God is good. And it seems to strike him as so strange that his suffering is intense. When God is so good. I didn't deal with Psalm 88 as extensively 
as I would like. But let me make three points about this psalm. First of all, several writers point out that one of the messages of the psalm is that unrelieved suffering may be our lot. We have seen that most psalms of individual lament ended on a note of praise or thanksgiving. Psalm 13 is an example. Psalm 22 is an example. But most of these psalms of individual lament end on a note of praise. But this one doesn't. This one doesn't. One that reminds us to be thankful for every good day, every good experience, every moment of rejoicing that we have. We need to be thankful for that and give Him praise. But we do understand that not all of life's stories have happy endings. Not all of life's stories have happy endings. It may be that unrelieved suffering is the lot of some. And if you are listening... And that is your circumstance. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord hold on to you as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, whether figuratively or literally. But I'll tell you something else about Psalm 88. It also shows us that in spite of all his difficulties, he does not quit praying. We saw those references to prayer in verses 1 and 2, in verse 9, and in verse 13. He doesn't quit praying in spite of all the difficulties that he faces. He continues to cry out, and he even addresses God in verse 1 as the Lord, the God of my salvation. The question was asked by the Satan in Job 1, verse 9. Does Job fear you for nothing? You take away these things he has, and he will curse you, and you will die. That's what the Satan said about Job. But Job maintained his faith in spite of the fact that he lost all and then finally loses his health and his respect in the community as well. In spite of all of that, Job doesn't deny God, but he serves God. This writer, in spite of all his calamity and all his troubles and all his difficulties, keeps looking to God. He keeps looking to God. Will we fear God even when all is taken away? May the Lord help us. In Luke 18, Verses 1 through 8, Jesus told a prayer, a parable, about some who, encouraging others to continue to pray and not give up, to continue to pray and not faint. An unjust judge, a powerful man with no character, was approached by a widow, the epitome of helplessness and dependence in the ancient world. And this judge has this widow crying to him, and ultimately, he answers her cry. And the statement is, if this unjust judge granted this petition, 
of this helpless woman, how much more will God listen to our cries? But when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Will we keep crying out to him? Will we keep praying? Will we keep seeking his face when all seems to be lost? Now, some may wonder, how does Psalm 88 play into the belief of resurrection from the dead? You couldn't prove it. You couldn't prove a resurrection just by Psalm 88, certainly. But in a few weeks, Lord willing, we will be at Psalm 91. And I sometimes wonder in reading the book of Psalms, did the Psalm, the writer of Psalm 88 ever meet the writer of Psalm 91? Because while Psalm 88 looks like darkness all day long. Psalm 91 is light all day long. It is light all day long. I think the kind of suffering described in Psalm 88 leads us to a deeper biblical context where we see that this life is not final, that there is an eternity where God will answer the difficulties, the struggles, the unanswered prayers of this life. And many of these words of Psalm 88 in some way describe Jesus. Now, I know Psalm 88 is not quoted in the New Testament and specifically applied to Jesus. But think of how many of these ideas describe the life of Christ. For example, he says, I have had enough troubles in Psalm 88, verse 3. And Jesus was full of troubles in Mark 14, verses 33 and 34. In verse 5, the Bible talks about those who are cut off from your hand, those who are cut off from your hand. In Isaiah 53, verse 8, as the Bible talks about the one who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, it says that he was cut off from the land of the living. This psalmist in Psalm 88 experienced abandonment by his friends. When Christ was arrested, all his disciples forsook him and fled. Mark 14 in verse 50, and then in verses 51 and 52 of Mark 14, the Bible emphasizes there that it emphasizes that even a young man, the strongest of men, when he was grabbed by the garment, leaves his garment and leaves Jesus alone. His only companion in verse 18 seemed to be darkness. And as Jesus Hung up on the cross, there was darkness from the third hour, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. The resurrection of Jesus, though, changes our view of Psalm 88. Let me illustrate. We didn't discuss verses 10 through 12 as extensively as we should. 
But if you look back at verses 10 through 12, will you perform wonders for the dead? Will the departed spirits rise and praise you? Salah. All of those questions in verses 10 through 12 seem to anticipate the answer, no. No. Will you perform wonders for the dead? Will your loving kindness be declared in the grave? Will your faithfulness in Abaddon? Will you make known these in the darkness? All those could be answered no. But through the resurrection of Jesus, they are answered yes. Jesus makes it so that those who have passed through this life and those who have departed this world may behold his wonders, may experience his loving kindness, that they may be blessed by his faithfulness. So much more could be said about this sad psalm. It is sad, but fitting it into the context of the Bible, we find that Jesus is the answer to Psalm 88. Thank you, and God bless.